Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of InvestStream. I'm Funkage, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about what I look for in an angel investment or a VC investment. Coming up next. Welcome back everyone. Over the last few weeks, I've been getting a lot of pitches and a bunch of folks asking me what I'm looking for. I thought it'd be a good time to do a video and talk a little bit about what I personally look for and what's interesting to me and um, maybe touch a little bit upon some broader things that people look for, but we'll try to pack it all in into a relatively short video. All right, so let's start with some of the generic stuff. Team traction and TAM. I've talked about some of this stuff in some previous videos, so feel free to jump back and take a look at some of those videos. They're more generic. They're talking about things more from a general investor perspective. So I'm gonna talk about from my perspective, what I look for. Let's start with team. So everyone talks about team. Team is really important. At the early stage, it's probably the most important thing. Uh, I've said it multiple times that I would rather invest in a mediocre idea with a fantastic team than a fantastic idea with a mediocre team. And, you know, a fantastic team can mean a lot of different things. And sometimes it's very specific to the particular context. Uh, in some contexts, a fantastic team is a team that has past startup experience, preferably some successes in the past. And in some cases, they might even have successful exits. In other instances, the team may not have been founders of a startup in the past, but perhaps they've been operators. So as operators, have they seen successes in whatever operational roles that they've played, um, whether it's technology, whether it's growth, uh, sales, marketing, um, BD, you name it. Have they seen some sort of successes? Uh, have they learned from those successes or failures? Can they repeat some of that in what they're doing? And are the skills that they've developed relevant to what they're doing today? Uh, those are some things that I look for in a team. And, you know, there's no specific answer. It's really about context and taking some of this stuff into the context of whatever they're pitching and seeing, you know, do I think this idea that they're pitching today and the backgrounds that they have align and work well together. If the answer is yes, okay, we move on to the next step. If things may not seem that way to me, um, then perhaps we end the conversation right there. And a lot of this is personal, right? As an investor, if a startup is trying to pitch me something, but I'm just not seeing it, it's not that the startup is not a good startup. It's not that they don't have a good pitch, but something between the investor, in this case myself, and the startup isn't connecting, right? And you can't really fault anyone for that, um, but that's just the way things go. Sometimes you just don't connect. And for me personally, connecting with a team at some level is really important. Uh, if I don't have some sort of connection to the founders or to at least one of the founders, it's very hard for me to invest in a company. 
And in many cases, that means I want to meet with the founders. I want to talk to the founders. I want to get to know the founders before I write a check. It is time consuming, uh, but you know, that's what makes me feel comfortable. As a VC, it's a little bit different, right? Because I am compelled to invest. So I might do things as a VC that I wouldn't do as an angel investor and vice versa. So as an angel investor, I want to spend time with the founders. I want to get to know them. I want a relationship before I write that check. A lot of us talk about traction. We want to see companies with traction and the founders always ask, what do you mean by traction? And what kind of levels of traction are you looking for? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> um, it defers, it's very contextual, right? The answer can be um, a couple of B2B uh, clients, potential clients that are testing out a product or it could be tens of thousands of users for a B2C product. Uh, and it could be anything in between or it could be some, something completely different. The thing that I care about, that I want to see, is some sort of repeatable and replicable process for acquiring those customers or those users. And I want to see momentum behind that traction that you do have. So. For example, if you launched a uh, pure B2C play recently and it took you about three months to get to a thousand users, okay, you figured out a process, you saw that it started working maybe a little bit slowly initially and then it ramped up and you got some momentum in the last month, you got to a thousand users. You diagnosed the process that you used to get to these users you have figured out engagement and how to get some of those repeat user, users coming back. Um, great, wonderful. Now, at the next stage, you say, all right, we've got out of the gate three months. In month four, you went from 1,000 users to 5,000 users by using the same techniques and strategies that you used before. You just double down on it. Maybe there's some paid acquisition there as well as organic and you have found something that you can replicate again and again to increase the absolute number of users and also improve your engagement metrics. You come and pitch, I might say, okay, that's great. You've gotten from 1,000 to 5,000 in a month. Now I'd like to see what you can do in one more month. So go out, do your thing, come back in another month, so that means you're five months out of the gate. In that month, I'd like to see some momentum. So if you went from zero to three months, you got to a thousand users, and in three to four months, you've gotten to 5,000 users. I wanna know in month four to five, how many users can you get to, right? If you get to 5,000 users, that could be fantastic. If you get to 10,000 users, that'd be even better. If you get to 15,000 users, it'd be Incredible, because now you can demonstrate to me that you figured out a way to replicate something that has worked and you continue to optimize it and you keep building some momentum behind that technique and it's increasing your user, user base. So if I think that you, can, you should have been able to get to 15,000 but you only got to 7,000, I may not move forward with the deal, right? Because 
in my mind, well, in month three to four, you got to 5,000 users from one to 5,000. But from months four to five, you only got from five to 7,000. I might feel like, yeah, you know, something didn't really work. Right now, you could have a valid explanation for that, and perhaps we still move forward. So a lot of it is just really contextual, and it always comes back, at least for me, to what I said earlier about that relationship that you, the founder, and I develop, where I could say, all right, you know what, you only got to seven thousand, but that's good enough. All right, I might decide to invest. In other cases, if that relationship isn't that strong yet, I might be like, well, you know, I'd really like to see the 10,000 before I make a commitment. Um, and if you are a B2B customer, I might say, well, close one customer, right? Get a contract signed with one customer and I'll write a check. Um, so again, I, sorry, these aren't absolute numbers or metrics that I look for, but I'm just trying to explain why myself or other investors might have moving targets that entrepreneurs are trying to hit on a regular basis and sometimes they're not hitting the target and this is why because in a lot of cases investors they change their minds things change you might you might see something in the market and say that's the new normal and every other startup that starts pitching now needs to hit that new normal before you'll even consider them right so all of this is organic, it changes over time. So TAM, or total addressable market size. Total addressable market size is really important because a lot of an angel's success depends on whether VCs get excited about a deal, right? And VCs get excited about deals that have very large markets for a startup to go after. It's more opportunity to increase the valuation of the company by uh, taking a large share of the market. So though a billion dollar market is a large market, it's not large enough for most VCs to get excited about. So if a VC decides to write a hundred million dollar check into a company, but the total market size is only a billion dollars, no matter what, if the company owned a hundred percent of the market, the VC could never make money on this deal. Never. So. Hence, angel investors also need to think about market share and market size and think about, all right, if this is a 20, 30, 50, $100 billion market, what percentage of this market can this company acquire? And would other VCs get excited about this? If the answer is yes, it makes it more attractive to an angel investor. If the answer is no, then perhaps some, in the, some angel investors will step aside. I also like to see large market sizes. And you know, a billion dollar market is a good size market for a lifestyle business, um, but it's not great market size for a venture fundable business. So if I would like to see other VCs come in and invest in the companies that I've invested in, I want to see a market that's 20, 30, 50 billion dollars, at least in size, if not larger. Uh, in some cases, you don't know what the market size is. If you're getting into something that it, a market doesn't quite exist yet and you're trying to create a new market, it's a little bit harder to figure out or it's a lot harder to figure out what the total addressable market size is, but you can extrapolate. So I highly recommend using reports from like 
consulting firms like McKinsey and stuff and trying to extrapolate out what a market size is, let them do the heavy lifting, the research, take that information and try to right size the market that you're going after and understand that it, it really does need to be a large market if you want to attract an angel investor because an angel investor is going to care how large the market size is so that they can get other VCs, later stage VCs to come in and put money into that, those companies because they have an opportunity to potentially make a lot more money. If you've got questions, if you've got comments, if you're an angel investor and there's certain things that you look at, I'd love to hear your thoughts and what are some of the things that you care about when you're looking at uh, a startup. Uh, please share them in the comment section below. If you have not yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, I'd urge you to hit the link below, head over to YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel, and make sure you hit the notification bell so that you don't miss out on a single episode of Investream. Thanks again for joining me and I'll see you again next time. If you haven't yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, please hit the subscribe button and don't forget to hit the little bell so you get notifications about every single new episode that comes out. Thanks again for joining me. I hope this was helpful and useful. I'll see you again next time. Thanks again for joining me. I'll see you again next time. If you haven't yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, please hit the subscribe button and don't forget to hit the little bell so you get notifications about every new episode that comes out. Thanks again for joining me. I'll see you again next time. Thanks again for joining me. I'll see you again next time.